for those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh Koskinen, and I am the student ministries pastor here, and I have the privilege of working with 6th through 12th grade students and families, and it's a blast. And so this morning, I want to reintroduce you to the most underappreciated part of your day. And it is a part of your day that is a part of your every day. And over the course of a single day, it happens over and over and over again. The most underappreciated part of your day, are you ready, is the red light. The red light on the intersection of Pershing and 51 is roughly 32 seconds. The amount of time that we sat in awkward silence together. And I might have even let you off the hook at 20 seconds because I couldn't take it. (laughs) And so the most underappreciated part of your day is the red light. And you might be thinking... Josh, I hate red lights. Like that time that we just spent in silence was super awkward and I don't know how to handle it. I don't know how to deal with it. But most of us, when we get to the red light, the only thing on our mind is getting through that red light, moving on to the next thing, getting to the next intersection, moving on to the next part of our day. But the red light when you're sitting there is maybe the one moment during your day where you can sit still and do absolutely nothing and it's totally okay. In fact, if you move prematurely, some of you may know this from experience, you get in trouble for moving through that red light. It is the one place, the one minute segment of your day where you can do nothing and it's totally okay. And I have the hardest time sitting still, like in silence there, even for me, I'm like, I have all these people staring at me right now, this is too weird, I can't do it. But I have the hardest time sitting still because I always, I like to constantly be moving, getting on to the next part of our day. You know, I'm already thinking about lunch at this moment. So, but I have, I have this thing deep within me where I like to move forward, I like to keep busy, I like to move about my day. And the most notable time of my day for that would be right around when it gets close to bedtime for my kids. I have three kids, and it's like 7.58 p.m. in my house is great. It's peaceful. It's fine. Kids are playing. They're maybe watching TV or something like that. But when 8 o'clock hits, I have this internal clock within me that looks around the room and panics, and I think, why are you not in bed yet? And if you have kids, maybe you have this clock that's within you too. And then even more so, if they haven't taken a bath yet, you know, then bath time begins this, I work for like the NASCAR pit crew and I'm trying to get my kids through bath. I'm like, okay, next, boom, boom, boom. And I make it this race and all for what? My wife says to me sometimes, Josh, we, it's summer. You do not need to be focusing on being so busy and getting to the next thing, just relax. But that's the society we live in. We live in a society that's go, 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 push, 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 
busy, busy, busy. And so to have this little window in our day at the red light where we get to pump the brakes, come to a stop, and be still, this is the one time in our day where we get to just focus on one thing. But it's not very common to have places in our day that is like this because of the invention of what? Because of the invention, for many of you, of the smartphone. And so you get to these red light moments in your day and you think, well, I gotta be doing something right now. And so even some of you, you may pull up to a red light and you'd be like, oh, okay, well, I'm not technically driving right now. I'm at a stop, so I'm just gonna text somebody quick. Or, you know, you might turn on the radio or we have these places in our day where it's, we are just green light people and we can't handle the red light. And so what happens is we get really frantic and we get really busy And we're constantly thinking about a million different things, going a million different directions, but the red light gives us the opportunity to stop. And so why is it underappreciated? It's because we are all about the green light. But I want to challenge your thinking on that for a little bit, because green lights just mean stress. We're all moving in a bunch of different directions at different places and different times, and we are all trying to go about our life so quickly. Green lights are stressful. They're overrated. I read a study that says that the average person that travels 30 miles an hour down the road takes in 1,320 pieces of information a minute. The average person traveling 30 miles an hour down the road takes in 1,320 pieces of information a minute. And so that's the speed that you're going, the song that's on the radio, singing along to Taylor Swift or something like that. And, uh, uh, you know, you're moving about, you're taking in all this information, the scenery, the trees. And so I want to take us down that road for a second. And so pretend you are driving. And as you are driving, you, uh, if you're like me, the first things that you notice are, what restaurants am I around, right? So what restaurants am I around? I see a restaurant and I see, oh, look, there's a Taco Bell. Don't they have breakfast now? By the way, so good. But anyway... Don't they have breakfast now? And then you get thinking about breakfast. Oh, I I didn't have any breakfast this morning. Or, oh, I just had this. And you're thinking about a million different things as you're traveling down the road. And then you get to the next stop and you're like, oh, you look down and you say, I need gas. And so you might not need gas if you stopped at Taco Bell, but that's a whole other thing. So uh, you look at the price, you're figuring it out. Is this this the place that I want to stop? And then you have all these other uh, thoughts that are going through your head, like if you drive past maybe a mall or something like that, you're thinking, what sale is going on? You're thinking, am I going too fast? Or I love this song on the radio. If you have kids, you might be saying to your kids as you're driving, we will get there when we get there. Or you might be yelling in the back and you're going to say, hey, quit pulling your sister's hair. Or something like that. You were taking in all this information, and as you go a little bit further at 30 miles an hour, you see a billboard, and you're thinking, is that Wayne Kent on a billboard? (laughs) Yes, it is. Right by Ruby Tuesdays, if you want to go take a look at that today. And then that might spur the thought on you, Wayne Kent's on a billboard. Wasn't Josh Koskinen in a commercial on TV? Why, yes, yes, he was. (laughs) And so you take in all this information at once as you're going about your day. But there's a part of us that tells us that that's the right way to be, to be always in movement. 
It's always about getting to the next intersection. I mean, think about your day for a second. You have doctor's appointments and dentist appointments and music lessons and family dinners. And on top of all these other things that are happening in your life, you have meetings, you have Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. And it just continues to pile up and pile up and pile up until life begins just about getting through the intersection. Get through the meeting, get through the lesson, get through the time with my family, just survive it and move on. And yet, even though we live at that pace and it seems like everybody's doing it, we are all stressed out and living life really, really busy. I've yet to meet anyone in America who responds to the question, hey, how are you doing? With, well, for starters, I'm not very busy. I'm just kind of bored with my life. Most of the time when we ask people how they're doing, they will respond with, oh, I'm just so busy. Or we don't even ask them how they're doing. We say, hey, staying busy? And we put busy up on this pedestal. And we think that that is the standard for how we, can, how we should live our lives. And so let me ask you a question. How's that going for you? Because for me, I can barely take much more. I mean, my calendar, I do not want to add much more to my calendar. I look at it, and I see all these things piling up. And I think to myself, is this the pace that I'm supposed to be living? She thinks that too. But I am convinced that I need more red lights. You need more red lights, and we need more red lights in our life. And so don't get me wrong, some of the things that we do are great things. Giving your child a great childhood with the ability to play sports and be in sports clubs is a great thing. Doing your best at your job is a great thing. Serving in the church is a great thing. But do we fill our lives with so many great things that we don't have room or capacity for the best thing? Are we really supposed to be living life at this pace? And the more that I read scripture, the more that I look at Jesus' life, I've come to understand one thing. And you may want to write this down because it may be your motto in life moving forward. And that is this. Sometimes the most spiritual thing to do is to get nothing done. Let's pray. Let's end it right there, I think. I feel good at that. We'd be getting out a little early, Discovery Zone, or at first kids wouldn't like that, but... But sometimes the most spiritual thing to do is to get nothing done. And I want to show you what I mean by that because there is this incredible short piece in Scripture. And actually, there are a lot of places in Scripture that we could turn to. But today, we're going to focus on just one. And that's Luke 10, starting in verse 38 through 42. And the numbers are on the screen as far as the Pew Bibles go, if you uh, are looking for that. And also, if you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to take that one with you. Uh, in your pew as a gift uh, to you moving forward. And so in Luke 10, 38 through 42, I wonder that when Luke was writing this, focusing on having a slower pace of life, you know, addressing maybe busy people in the room, he thought, okay, we could make this really long or we could shorten this up because busy people are going to be reading it. And so we are a group of busy people reading Luke 10, 38 through 42, Uh, But before we get to that, I want to set the scene for a minute. So the scene is that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, 
and he stops in a village called Bethany. And at the village in Bethany, there are two women, Mary and Martha, and Jesus and his disciples stop at their house. And so I would like you to think about that for a minute. You're at home this afternoon, and you're sitting around hanging out with your family or doing whatever it is that you would do on a Sunday afternoon, taking a nap maybe, and uh, you get a knock at your door. And at the door is a very prominent and important person. (laughs) And uh, he is with 12 of his best friends. And so there's some friends right there. I'm on there twice. I ran out of guys on the church website. (laughs) But I figured I was preaching so I could do that. But you get a knock at your door, and it's, surprise, we're here. We're hungry, we're traveling. And all of a sudden, for you, it's probably green light time, right? Go, go, go. Hey, honey, uh, we got some people over. They're going to hang out with us for the next couple hours. And it's go time. But in Luke 10, 38, that is exactly what happens. And let's, uh, let's read starting verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And so let's stop there for a second. And if we know anything about Mary and Martha, uh, if you have read maybe the scripture before, I want us to kind of start with a blank slate when it comes to them because there's something that we can learn both from Martha and from Mary in this passage. But often when we read Luke 10, starting in verse 38, we villainize Martha. We say, Martha, why did you have to get distracted over, you have Jesus in your house, what are you thinking? But I wonder if distracted isn't uh, exactly what we would normally consider distracted to be, because what I consider distracted to be is if I'm having a conversation, maybe with my wife, and then all of a sudden, you know, like I feel my phone vibrate or something, and I pull it out, and I get a text, and that text spurs a thought, and then all of a sudden now I have divided attention in conversation with my wife and with what I'm reading, and uh, from what I hear, like for guys, we're not, we don't divide our attention well. So anyway, that's just me maybe, but... Uh, so I'm, I'm looking and I'm, t- you know, I'm responding back and then all of a sudden, just out of muscle memory, I go to Facebook and then I'm on Facebook and then Emily says to me, my wife, hey, so what do you think about that? And I'm like, I think it's a great idea. <laughs> and then she looks at me and she says, you have no clue with what I just said, do you? And you know, we have this frustration moment. But I don't think that is quite the case when it comes to Martha, because often we think as distraction, as neglect. But Martha is not neglecting Jesus at all, because everything she is doing is about Jesus. And so Martha is taking on a lot of great things, doing things that she really feels like she should be doing, accomplishing some great things. But often in our life, we take on a lot of great things too. We start with one thing, and then that one thing becomes two things, and then those two things become three things, and we start juggling all of these different things in our life, and they're good things. But that's exactly what Martha is doing. So first, 
Martha invites Jesus in. She invites Jesus into her house. And if we read scripture, we will find time and time again that God calls his people to be people of hospitality. That this is, she's actually doing the right thing by inviting Jesus in. And if we look at Jesus' journey as he's traveling from city to city, we will also realize that Jesus, uh, a lot of people want things from Jesus, right? They want to be healed. They want to hear teaching. They want him in their presence. And then Jesus comes, knocks at the door, and Martha gives to Jesus, And so Martha invites Jesus in, a great thing. Then she has to cook him a meal. So she cooks Jesus and his disciples a meal. That's a great thing. I'm sure they were hungry as they were traveling. And then she's taking care of his disciples. She's getting the house ready. She's cooking. She's creating a fellowship space. All of these things, great things, good things. And so now Martha is juggling three things. And it says in scripture that she gets distracted, divided attention. And that happens to us too. But then her sister Mary is also there. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to what Jesus has to say. And Mary is basically saying, I want one thing. I want one thing because for me, I want to sit at the feet of Jesus. I want to learn from Jesus. I want to hear about his travel. I want to hear about what's been happening. But Martha is like, this isn't fair. My sister, who should be helping me, is just sitting there, and I'm not cool with that. And so Martha is trying to get the house ready, and Mary's doing this. And she came to Jesus, and she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do work all by myself? Tell her to help me. And then in verse 41, Jesus says this, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. And so can you imagine the look on Martha's face in that moment? Just expecting, hey, Jesus, Mary is not helping me. And I would need some help. Can you please tell her to help me? And probably expecting, hey, Mary, would you go up and help your sister? And uh, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these things. But only one thing is needed. And maybe just, you know, sisterly rivalry. Maybe there's a little yes from Mary, right? Like, I'm doing the right thing. But when I read this scripture, I get a little confused because I would say, I am a Martha. I think if Martha is sitting at the feet of Jesus and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, then nothing's getting done. And so there are all these things that should be happening, and yet Mary is praised for doing the one thing that matters. And what I would say to that is this, is that Jesus is telling Martha There are all these details that you could be worrying about. But right now, in this moment, there is only one thing that is worth it. There is only one thing that matters, and Mary has discovered it. And that is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Are we involved in so many good things 
that we can't give full attention to the best thing? Do we take on so many good things in our life, pack our calendars with so many good things that we could go do, that we don't have capacity to take on the best thing? Are we worried and upset over all the details of life? Are we so busy that we are missing the point? Are we focused on the one thing that matters? And so in the series that we've been in on Extreme Home Makeover, I would say that for my home, I need a makeover in busyness because we're packing our schedule, we're packing our calendar. We're living life at a very green light pace And is that the pace that we should be living? And as the student ministries pastor here, I have the opportunity to interact with a lot of your students, and it is a great thing to be a part of. I love it. And I see even students today, sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, living life at a pace that seems so busy. And what can we do about it? How can we embrace more red light moments in our life? from sixth grade all the way through our senior adults. We're busy people. And so here are some steps that we can take to try to embrace more red light moments in our lives. And the first one is this. Can we slow down? Slow down. What would it look like to slow down? And this looks different for all of us, but what if if we didn't center our lives on people-pleasing, Pats on the back, perfectionism, poor planning, position, prestige, posting. What if we didn't center our lives on those things, but instead we centered our lives on the power of God, sitting at Jesus' feet and being refreshed and renewed in the power of God. And so we are reminded that from the beginning of Scripture, we see this pattern take place. We see that in Genesis 1, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in it. And God said that it was good. And then God created humanity, male and female, in his image and in his likeness. And he said that it was very good. And so each and every person in this room, you are made and created in the image of God, which means that you are created to create that if we're made in the likeness of God and God is a creative God, then you are created to be green light people. And that's great. But then on the seventh day in scripture, something takes place and God rests. And so you are also created to slow down and to rest. And in Exodus 20, God gives some guidelines for humanity on how they should live their lives and what this looks like. And I have a list, this is called the Ten Commandments, and I have a list of nine of the Ten Commandments on the screens. Do not have other gods. Great, we get it. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. I think we're on board with these things, right? Do not lie. Honor your father and mother. This is the point where parents, you get to look at your kids for a second and say, all right, all right, okay? So, honor your father and mother. But then we miss something. We miss something, and what it's on the same level as all these other things. But we miss something in this text, and that's number four, and that is keep the Sabbath day holy. Slow down, rest. Create, and then rest. That's what God did. Sabbath allows us to slow down our lives 
and focus on making God the good portion. And the idea of taking a Sabbath, having regular points in your life where you can rest and be refreshed is so countercultural. Even amongst Christians, because for a lot of us, Christianity is a green light movement. So on top of your personal life and your family life and your job and all these other things that you have in your life, then you have your faith. And for a lot of us, it would appear that Christianity is a green light movement. Do, 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 go, go, go. But what we need to add to do, 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 go, go, go is rest, rest, rest. Because sometimes the most spiritual thing to do is to get nothing done. And so if we look at the text that we uh, read today, the text of Mary and Martha, we realize something. If we look at the big picture of that text as an example for what this looks like, we will see a couple things. The big picture of Luke 10 is this, that it starts out, Luke 10, in the beginning of Luke 10. Jesus sends out 72 people on a mission trip. They go, and they do great things, and they heal the sick, and they cast out demons, and they are going and representing Jesus, furthering the message of what he's doing. But then Jesus says that the trip was so successful that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That was in verse 18 of Luke 10. And later in Luke 10, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, the man who showed compassion to a stranger, loved his neighbor, and inconvenienced himself for the good of another. So you have all of this activity happening, green light activity, and then it slows down to the point of Mary and Martha saying, don't miss out on the one thing that is worth it, and that is sitting at the feet of Jesus. So we can slow down. The second is this, we could set priorities. And so I was having a get together with John Keck, a former pastor here, around New Year's Eve, and he said that he is not setting priority, he's not doing New Year's resolutions. And I'm like, what do you mean you're not doing New Year's resolutions? And he said, um, what I'm doing is I want to set my three top priorities, and I want to keep them in check throughout the year. And if I'm doing something with my time that doesn't match up with my priorities, then something, then I need to refocus and readjust what I'm doing. And so I took that into consideration, and I wrote down three things that I wanted to live by this year and for the rest of my life. And the first one was this, is to serve God and represent Jesus in every aspect of my life, to love and lead my family, and to be the best youth pastor I can be, a personal goal, a faith goal, a family goal, and a professional goal. But for most of us, the reality might look like this. It might look like take care of the house, meet the next deadline, keep the people in my life relatively happy. We would never say that these are our priorities, but when it comes to making decisions and managing our time, these can easily be the principles that we live by. And so what do our priorities look like when it comes to family life, our personal life, our professional life? And where does God fit in the midst of all that? Do we have time in our schedule to be developed in those areas. 2 Corinthians 5.9 says this. It says, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. And so above all of the other details in life, are we slowing down? 
Are we setting priorities? And then also, are we seeking solitude? And for me, this is the hardest one because I have embraced the green light so much in my life that the red light to slow down and seek solitude is almost foreign. And maybe you can relate to that. But so like, I'll, I'll try to seek solitude. I'll sit down. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to read scripture. And then like, I read scripture for maybe you know, a minute and I see a verse and I'm like, oh, I'm going to Facebook that verse. I'm going to write that as my status. That'll be a great devotional time. So I get on Facebook. I write the verse. I'm like, okay, this is great. God's, you know, spoke to me through this. And then I get distracted even before I get to that point. And I'm like, oh, a video of kittens. This is awesome. <laughs> so, oh, they're so cute rolling around. Anyway, <laughs> seeking solitude for me is something that I have to work hard at because I've embraced the green light so much in my life. And Jesus gives us the best example of pattern of seeking solitude because the Gospels refers to this more than 25 times, Jesus going away and getting solitude. And one example of that is Mark 1.35, where it says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And what I'm not suggesting is that everyone should be getting up at 5 a.m. and doing their devotionals because that would be difficult for me. But what I am suggesting is, do you have time in your day, a set-aside time to seek solitude with God and sit at the feet of Jesus? Making consistent time for the word of God and prayer is the place to start because we won't say no to more busyness until we say yes to more Jesus. And a, a, an example of that in scripture, for us, how we, what we should live by in our lives is Deuteronomy 8.3, where it says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And so we won't say no to more craziness until we say yes to more Jesus. We will keep choosing dinner rolls over the bread of life. We will choose the fanfare of this world over the feet of Jesus. We will choose busyness over blessing. And it's not wrong to be busy. It's not wrong to have seasons of complete chaos. But what is wrong and heartbreakingly foolish but wonderfully avoidable is to take on more craziness than we want because we have less Jesus than we need. And so for you in your life, for me, how can we embrace more red light moments? How can we slow down, set priorities, and seek solitude? If you're preparing communion uh, this morning, I'll invite you to go and do that this time. And what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to offer you a red light opportunity. I'm going to tee it up for you. A time where we can focus on what Jesus has done for us. Because we won't say no to more craziness until we say yes to more Jesus. And sometimes the most spiritual thing to do is to get nothing done. And so let us sit, let us rest, let us embrace the red light. And let us remember what Jesus has done for us by when he took bread and he broke it with his disciples. And he said, this bread is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
And then he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you gather in remembrance of me. And so as we gather today, let us remember what Jesus has done for us and let us sit at his feet and embrace the red light in our life. Let us slow down, let us set priorities and let us seek solitude in Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for who you are. And God, we recognize in this moment that we are busy people. We are green light people. But God, in this moment where we remember what you have done for us, where we remember that all the things that we could go out and do mean nothing if we aren't sitting at your feet, remembering what you have done by dying on the cross for our sins. God, in this time where we embrace the red light, where we slow down, where we rest in you, let us reflect on what you've done for us and let us thank you for how good you are. In your name I pray, amen.